following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome all of those that are watching on Facebook Live. We're so honored that you would join us as well today. My name is Reed, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I give honor to my senior pastor, our senior pastor, Rex Johnson. We just give him some love this morning. He loves you every single time you walk through those doors. Let's just love him. I honor you, sir. Thanks for letting me preach today. If you've never heard him preach, you need to be back next week for Father's Day. We're going to have some great gifts for dads. It's going to be a fun day. It'll be a funny day. We, we know dads like to laugh, so we're going to have some fun in here next week. We're in week three of our series, Running with the Giants. And we have a theme verse that's kind of been the, the uh, it's weaved throughout all of these weeks. It's Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. And it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So imagine we're running a race, you and I. And don't laugh, I'm I'm faster than I look. I will race anybody in the parking lot after we get done. As long as it's a 50-yard dash. Anything else, you, you win. Okay, I concede. I'm not running longer than 50 yards. But we're running a race and we've got this great cloud of witnesses watching. Who are the witnesses? Well, the witnesses... Hebrews 11, which is the chapter before our theme verse, is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it's all these men and women of Scripture, these spiritual giants, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, these men and women who got gold medals in the Olympic Games called Faith. So we're running this race, and, and these people are in the grandstands cheering us on. And the thought of this series is, what if we could call out these giants to take a lap with us and speak wisdom into our worlds. What one principle would they tell us that would be relevant and applicable today? And before we jump into this week's giant, do you know what I've noticed about all of them? They've all made massive, massive mistakes. These giants made giant mess-ups. Like Noah, we talk about Noah and he's faithful in his faithfulness. He did something nobody else had done. He built an ark. But that's not the end of the story. Do you know what happened after he got off the boat? He got drunk and naked. (laughs) That's funny. He, he, He was 601 years old at the time. He should have known better. And yet, he made a massive goof. These giants make giant mistakes. Keep going. Abraham and Sarah doubted God. Isaac was a daydreamer. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. Isaiah, who kicked this whole series off, preached naked. Thank God Facebook Live was down that day. (laughs) And last week's giant, Jacob, lied and deceived his own father. These giants are jacked up. And if I'm honest, I'm pretty jacked up too. For example, I know I should have deeper and more consistent conversations with Jesus. I know I should study God's word in a better and stronger way. I know I should be more generous with my finances. I know I should be more courageous in sharing my faith with others. I even think messy thoughts, unfortunately. Have you ever been at a traffic light and you look in the rearview mirror and you see one of these California motorcyclists that are coming up behind you and they're lane splitting? You know what I'm talking about? This is where they drive on the dashes between the cars to get in front of you at the light. And I think to myself, if I were to open my car door right now, 
That's awful. That is awful. <laughs> Anybody, am I the only one that thinks these thoughts that should never come out? Okay. That's not legal in Texas. Stop doing that. Uh, uh, last Sunday, I'm on my, on my way to church. I'm on my way to church last Sunday. I, I, I normally don't see bicyclists that often anymore, but I passed a whole hive, like 30 of them. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm driving, and I don't want to hurt anybody, but I'm thinking, if I just, if I just clip the first guy, <laughs> then everybody will fall, and that will be hilarious. And in my mind, I'm playing out this scenario, laughing to myself as I drive to church to worship Jesus. Hi, I'm Reed, and I'm messed up. And if you're honest, how many of you would say, you know what, Reed, I'm pretty messed up too? Show of hands. Look around the room, okay? You're in good company. If you're not raising your hand, you're messed up because you're a liar. Today's giant is Jonah, (laughs) the biggest loser of them all. I feel bad for Jonah. I feel like he gets a bad rep. Uh, He ran from God, but I think that we would run too. Jonah was tasked by God to go to the Assyrian people, which were his enemies, and and they were wicked people. They were an atheistic people. They were what we would call today a modern-day terrorist. They invade the land of Israel. They would take people captive and hostage. They would kill anyone who resisted them. And now Jonah was to go to them and talk to them about the potential of repentance for their lives. And if they didn't repent, God, whom they don't even believe in, is going to judge them. And so Jonah's doing the math going, no, I'm not going to go. And so he runs from the Lord. Let's read the story together. If you have your Bible, turn to Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We'll have it on the screens for you. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Look at the story together. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now I've got a map of this area I want to show you. So he's in Joppa and he was told to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, which is today northern Iraq. And instead he went to the coast of Spain, which is where Tarshish was located. And as I study the map this week, there's something I've noticed is that God told Jonah to go a direction, and he says, I want you to go this way, and it was about 500 miles from where Jonah was to where God asked him to go. And instead, Jonah went 2,500 miles in the wrong direction. Sometimes you got to work harder to disobey God than just do what he asked you to do in the first place. (laughs) Your journey becomes more difficult when you disobey. Just a thought. Verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors who do this for a living were afraid. They'd seen some storms, but they're afraid, and they're crying out to whichever God will listen. And they throw the cargo, a.k.a. our prophet, the reason we're on this boat in the first place, into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck and was taking a nap. He lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Isn't it interesting how people can be oblivious to the impact their decisions have on their life and on the lives of other people around them? 
Each decision we make carries impact. In fact, every decision we make is in some way making you. You didn't get that. I'm going to say that one more time. That's tweetable there. Every decision we make is in some way making you. And so you have to ask yourself the question, well, is the decision I'm making, is it drawing me closer to God or driving me further away from God, as in the case of Jonah? Every decision you make is making you. So the storm comes, and they're in a moment of crisis, and Jonah wakes up, and I love this. He takes responsibility for his action. He says, it's my fault. This storm has come upon you guys. And I think that's the first key. When we recognize we've made bad choices, the first thing we need to do is take responsibility for the bad choices. We just need to own it, right? To get to the right place when we're in the wrong place, we just need to take responsibility. And Jonah did this. Look at verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. I love Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. It pairs so well with verse 12. It says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them, there it is, finds mercy. Aren't we glad that we serve a God of another chance? That he gives you that second chance. He said, if you'll just confess your sins, renounce your sins, I'll give you mercy. My mercy is new every morning. So Jonah admits his mistakes. He tells the sailor, for the storm to stop, you've got to throw me overboard. And I've thought about that this week. Some of you might be going through a storm. And it's not because of a decision you've made, but it's because of who you've got on the boat with you. You need to throw Jonah off of your boat. Next week, I'm, I'm talking, I'm preaching to a, a youth camp, and there's going to be 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds who are there who are dating people who are dragging them down spiritually, and I'm going to say, throw Jonah off your boat. Like, get Jonah off your boat. Some of you, <laughs> some of you, Jonah's not in your boat, Jonah's in your phone. And the most spiritual thing that you could do as I'm talking is just dismiss what I'm saying, get on your phone, use that swipe feature, you know, the red one that says delete, and get Jonah off of your phone. You've been talking to Jonah, you've been texting Jonah, and you wonder why your life's going down. Well, I can tell you, get Jonah off your phone, get Jonah off your boat. Today's your day. That's not even in my notes. That one's for free. All right. So Jonah's thrown overboard, and then verse 17, oh, this is good. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, we don't know what kind of fish it was. I think we all assume it was some sort of whale. Show the whale. So, just imagine, right? We're going to throw you overboard, and a one, and a two, and there goes Jonah. And it says, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish for three days in three nights. Here's what I love about this story. Is that God knows everything. He knew Jonah would disobey him. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And so we had to wake Jonah up. So he sends this storm which causes crisis for a lot of people. And he knew that the sailors would have to throw Jonah overboard. And so before any of this happened, God said, I've got to prepare a provision for you, Jonah. I've got to take care of you. And so the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Even when we make bad decisions and bring crisis into other people's lives, what I love about our Lord is he already has a plan in place to rescue us. Can can anybody testify to that? I'm just asking. Anybody say, you know what, there was a time in my life where God rescued me 
And it was actually a problem that I caused out of my own disobedience, but I was rescued by the Lord. Anybody testify to that? Anybody? The Lord provided. The Lord provided. It was a provision. Do you think Jonah thought of it as a provision at the time? (laughs) Probably not. Thank you, Lord, for the provision of the fish. Now, I didn't feel like provision at the time. At the time, it felt like a problem. You see, sometimes it takes time for the problem to be seen as a provision. Sometimes we see this as a problem, but God says, no, really, this is a provision. And this unlocked something for me this week. The book of Jonah has four chapters. And there's a Hebrew word that's used four times to describe four different events in the life of Jonah. And the word is manah, M-A-N-A-H, manah, manah. It's a Hebrew word that translated into English means to point or to prepare, or as the NIV renders it, to uh, provide. Manah, the Lord, manah, a fish to swallow Jonah. Manah, manah, manna, manna. You've heard the word manna before. That's the stuff in the Old Testament where the people of God were supposed to go to the promised land. By the way, they were supposed to go 500 miles to where God asked them to go, but they went 2,500 miles around and around and around and around in circles. And God said, even though you frustrate me, I'm going to feed you. And so he rains down this stuff called manna. That's what they called it. And it comes from this word manna, spelled a little differently, but it's the same idea of the Lord provided. The Lord provided. Do you know what the people of Israel did? When God rained down breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know what they did? They complained about it. Well, we don't want this. We want meat. Let me just say this, that God's provision does not always come packaged in your preferences. Sometimes he provides for you, but it's just not packaged the way that you thought it should be packaged. Uh, As a lot of you know, I I, uh, get to co-lead our young adult ministry with some awesome pastors here, and we meet on Sunday nights, and... We generally dismiss around 8.30, and so uh, we go eat, just whoever wants to go eat. So we'll go eat, and there's sometimes 30 people that go eat, young adults, and we just hang out in fellowship. And So a few months ago, we went to Torchy's, and uh, my phone was blowing up as I was driving, and I thought, somebody's trying to get a hold of me, and I get to the restaurant, and I pull out my phone, and it was just somebody who had been at service that said, thank you for that message, it really resonated with me, and uh, I think this is going to change some things in my life. And I said, thanks for the kind words. I love you, man. I hope you have a great week. You know. So I'm in, in the parking lot texting. And there was a, 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 a homeless gentleman who came and he was standing right by my window, like by my driver's side window, about two inches from the glass. And I didn't see him because I'm in my phone. And so I looked, <laughs> he spooked me a little bit. And so I couldn't even open my door because he's right there. So I just kind of rolled the window down a little bit. I said, hey, man, can I help you? And he said, I, I, I'm so hungry. And he said, could you, could you just, you have a couple of dollars. I just want a bite to eat. I just want to bite. You have any money? I just, I just want a bite to eat. And I said, man, I'll be honest with you. I don't even carry cash anymore. But I said, I, I have a card and I'm going to go into Torchies and eat. And I'd be happy to buy you something, man. I'll get you a bite to eat. So let me finish up this text. So I finished up the text and we got out of the I got out of the truck, and we went into Torchies. Well, there's a long line of young adults at this point, so we had some time. I'm just kind of hearing his story, and it was pretty phenomenal, to be honest. We get to the front of the line, and uh, I said, man, get, go get you something, whatever you want, man. So he goes, okay, let me get the, uh, let me get the Baja shrimp, hold the Katija cheese, and then uh, I, want the, um, I want the beef fajita taco, but I don't want the onions with the peppers. And then let me get a Democrat on corn and a Republican on flour. He was bipartisan. He didn't care. 
And let me get, let me get that, uh, let me get the, you, the guacamole dip. I want to get two of those things with the chip baskets. Now, I like torches, but they're, they're pretty proud of that guacamole dip. It's kind of expensive. So, yeah, let me get that guacamole dip. I want to get two baskets. And then let me get the, uh, let me get the queso. Can you biggie size it? I'm like, they don't biggie size here. And, and like, he just, and, and, I'm, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, I'm trying to be a good Christian and love Jesus. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going, man, you asked me for a bite to eat. And now they got to go kill the fatted calf to fulfill your order. Like, what's up with this, man? And then he looks at me, and he took it too far. He goes, hey, can I get a craft beer? And I said, no, he'll have a water. And I got him a water. <laughs> You're done ordering. Isn't it interesting that we go from, I-, I-, I need a bite to eat, to 75 bucks on tacos, man. Like, something's wrong with that. Hold the onions, please, and biggie sauce it. Isn't it interesting we go from, God, if you'll just get me out of this situation... If you'll just rescue me today, if you'll just be with me too. You know what? I don't really like this fish. It kind of stinks inside the belly of this whale. When God provides, it doesn't always come biggie size. Hold the cottage cheese. God saved Jonah, but the accommodations weren't luxurious. He could have. He didn't. He could have sent the Royal Caribbean cruise to pick up Jonah. A freight liner at the least. But he says, I'm going to put you in a really deep, dark place in the belly of a beast and here is perhaps why if God rescues you from trouble and it's too comfortable you'll just get right back into the trouble the next day maybe so God says I I need to bring you to a deep dark place because I want you to associate your rebellion with pain so maybe you won't do it anymore I grew up and my, my dad spanked me and I'm actually thankful he spanked me, so don't write me letters. <laughs> some of us are glad our parents spanked us, and some of us wish your parents spanked you, but that's a different message for a different day. <laughs> my dad had this paddle. Oh, the paddle. And uh, it was just, just a solid block of wood. And he kept it. We had like a little breakfast nook, and he kept it in this cabinet at the breakfast nook. Oh, I knew where it was. And there was one day, I'm, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, and I'm, I'm sitting at that breakfast nook. We weren't eating as a family that night. We normally did. And I'm eating at the nook, and he's at the kitchen table, and I guess he just had one of those days. Dad, you get it. You just have one of those days. And I'm watching. There's a little, a little small TV there, and I'm watching the news. I'm like eight. I don't watch the news, but it was on the TV, and so I'm just watching it. And he said, would you turn off the news? And then for some reason, I go, I'm watching it. <laughs> now, my dad is like me plus 50 pounds. He's a bigger boy. And so he, he stands up. That's all he does is he stands up and I says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I repent. I'm so sorry, Daddy. I'm, I'm going to eat all my, I'll eat my vegetables. I'll eat my sister's vegetables. Please, come on. Please, Daddy, please. And you know what my dad did? He's spanked me. <laughs> He's spanked me hard. What's interesting is immediately, he didn't even touch the paddle, but I knew where he was headed, and I associated rebellion with pain. And there was a day down the road that I got it. I didn't have to rebel because I associated rebellion with pain. Listen, God loves you. I love my sons. I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. I don't like disciplining them, but when they rebel, I have to discipline them because I want them to associate rebellion with pain. They don't like pain. They don't like discipline, so maybe they'll stop rebelling if they'll continually associate the two together. God loves you, but he's thorough in his discipline, and he allows us to go into deep, dark places because he wants you to wake up to the reality of what you're doing. 
And Jonah didn't like being disciplined either. He complained about the fish. In fact, in Jonah chapter 2, you can read it. He has like eight, seven, eight verses where he just, details of his distress. You know, blaming God, complaining about the smell. I got seaweed in my face. I got these engulfing waters around me. And then verse 9, everybody say verse 9. There was a shift. Everybody say shift. There was a mind shift in Jonah's head. And and I got to read this together. This is so beautiful. He says, but I with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the very next verse, after that verse, the very next verse, after Jonah got grateful, even in a hard situation, after Jonah got grateful, even in the belly of a fish, after Jonah got grateful, Jonah got out. Look at verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah Onto dry land. I came to make an announcement. We need to be a grateful church. Can we just take a five second praise break and give God some praise and tell him that he's good and that he's worthy. And I'm going to have a mind shift this morning to praise your holy name. Come on. We got to shift. We got to shift. Jonah shifted from grumbling to grateful. And that's the second thing we've got to do. He repented. By turning away from the bad choice he had made. So we have to own it. We take responsibility for the choice that we made. To go from the wrong place to the right place, we've got to own it. But then we've got to repent of that. Do a 180. I love Acts 319. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If you want to be refreshed, you need to repent. Turn from that stuff. Author Bruce Wilkinson said it so well. He said, repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. Some of you are having struggles in your marriage and there's, there's just issues. You're sinning, she's sinning, he's sinning. Listen, you've got to repent. You've got to have a change of mind so much that it changes you. And if you'll change you, I promise your marriage will change. It will, but we've got... Listen, we can all pray the prayer, Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. But the proof is after the prayer. What happens after we prayed that prayer? Are we going to repent or continue to live in that sin? We've got to own our mistakes and then we've got to turn from those mistakes. Look at chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? God's grace and his love and his forgiveness that he'd give Jonah a second chance here. I love that. I love it. God has the ability to look beyond our faults and failures to see the cry of our hearts. Because at the cry of Jonah's heart was a man who really honestly wanted to follow God. He just got messed up. He got overwhelmed by doubt and fear and insecurity. So God asked again, hey, go to Nineveh and tell them about me. What do you think Joe said this time? Yes, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yes, Lord. And he embraced God's grace. That's the third step. Own the mistake. Repent of that mistake. And then you need to embrace God's grace. I think to really get ourselves out of the messes that we make, we've got to embrace the grace of God. We serve the God, I'll say it again, of another chance. Amen? And, and you've got to embrace that grace. Don't let the enemy lie to you saying that you've messed up, that you've gone too far, that what you did last night is way... Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. 
That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. I don't care what you did today on the way to church with the argument you have with your spouse. God's grace is sufficient. And this tells me that all of that happened to Jonah, not to pay Jonah back, but he wanted to win Jonah back. That's just the kind of God that we serve. God gave grace. Certain phrases in the Christian vernacular kind of lose their power with familiarity. We hear that word grace all the time. It it just becomes like oversaturated in Christian culture. We sing those songs like, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But then we can barely get beyond our yawning to understand how scandalous grace really is. It is truly amazing. Do not underestimate the power of God's grace for you. Listen, His grace is sufficient. His mercies are new every morning. God loves you. Don't lose that. Embrace His grace this morning. So Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And and God gives the Assyrians another chance. And Jonah doesn't like that because those are his enemies. Which is funny to me. Jonah liked it when God gave him another chance. But I don't want you to give them another chance. Sometimes we pray for our provision but we want other people to have punishment. But how many of you know that if God gave you another chance you're not too good to extend grace to other people? Amen. We can't just be recipients of God's grace. We have to be distributors of that grace as well. I've got two little bullet points for you. You can write these down. The first one is don't let your bad choices define you. Don't let your bad choices define you because that's not who you are. Don't look at yourself through the choices. Look at yourself through the lens of Jesus, through the eyes of Jesus. He says, I don't condemn you. There is now no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. I don't see your failures. I don't see your mistakes. I don't see your mess-ups. I don't see your bad choices. I see the redemption and the glory of my son through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what I see when I see you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to become our sin. So Jesus became sin so that in him, in a relationship with Jesus, I might, you might become the righteousness of God. So when God sees you and I, he sees righteousness. He doesn't see our sin. So look at your, don't let your bad choices define you. And listen, if God can forgive you, you have to begin to forgive yourself. If God forgives you, you've got to forgive yourself. So you have to start there. And the second thing you have to do is you have to not let your bad choices disqualify you from serving God. Jonah very easily could have said, well, God, I, I blew it. And I guess you need to use somebody else. I mean, I ran from you. And God says, listen. I wasn't looking at your disobedience. I was looking at a man that I'd called. You might have disobeyed me. You might have run as far as the east is from the west. But I will never abandon you even when you abandon me. Jonah, I love you. And my calling is sure. And my calling is true in your life. Jonah, let's go to Nineveh. So don't let your bad choices disqualify you from serving God. And so many of us allow the enemy to do that. Three final practical steps, I think. Jonah would give us as we round this last part of the lap with him in this race marked out for us. It's important for us that we build safeguards in our lives because so often we'll make bad choices. But if we build safeguards, we might start making some better choices. Here are three safeguards that might help. The first safeguard is use God's word to guide you. 
Now that seems really pastoral and something you'd expect to hear in church, but this is our playbook. This is our guidebook. This is so important. This is the central piece of life. It is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It is the very breath of God. It is a a light into my feet, a lamp into my pathway. It, It is so important. For you to be at the center of God's word and the center of God's will. And don't just let the word, don't just be in the word. Let the word be in you. Hide it in your heart so you do not sin against God. And all the thou shalt nots in the scriptures are not there to limit you. I promise. They're there to protect you and to give you freedom and to give you life. The perfect law does give you freedom. Trust me on that. Just use this word to guide you. The second step is to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. We have this incredible gift, the Holy Spirit of God. Use him. He wants to give you wisdom. I love John 16, 13. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We need the Holy Spirit's wisdom. And let me just add a little side note to this, that whatever the Holy Spirit of God tells you will always align and never contradict what the written word of God tells you. They're not going to be two different things. Okay, so if you feel like the Holy Spirit, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me I'm supposed to go to Waco and start an encampment and get people to follow me. That's not in here, okay? You had a bad burrito, you need to go back to this, okay? Something. The written word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, going to tell you the same thing. They're always going to align. And the third thing, Randy, if you'll come, if you want to safeguard your life against bad choices, start making better choices, is seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Find some people who are just a step ahead of you spiritually, men and women who love you, who want to invest in you and say, listen, I need some wisdom. If you walk with wise people, you will grow in wisdom. That's Proverbs. But if you hang out with fools, a companion of fools will suffer harm. Just seek some wise people. Hey, I'm having some issues with this. I've been in God's word. I've been praying about it. I feel like the Spirit's telling me this. What do you think? You know, this whole time, we've been imagining ourselves running a lap with Jonah. That's kind of the heart of this series, is taking a lap with these spiritual giants, running with the giants. But I got to thinking this week, what if Jonah got to run a lap with Jesus? What that conversation would sound like, and if we got to eavesdrop on what they were saying, I can almost picture it. So they're running, and Jonah looks over at Jesus, and he goes, man, you don't know what I've been going through. And Jesus says, Try me. And Jonah says, man, I, I was asked to come out of my comfort zone and go to a place where I had to minister to my enemies. And Jesus be running beside him and goes, well, <laughs> it's funny that you said that. I actually kind of know something about that because I also came out of my comfort zone, the prestige and pristine environment of heaven. And I was wrapped in flesh, born of a virgin, and they received me not, and they nailed me to a cross, and it was from that cross that I preached forgiveness for the sins of the world and brought redemption to everybody on the planet. And Jonah's like, okay, you got me. And they go, but, but you don't understand. You don't understand, Lord, I, I, was, uh, I was three days in a dark place. I, was, I spent three days... In a dark place where I felt like there was no hope. He goes, oh, Jonah, if you only knew. If you only knew. I know what it's like to be delivered from dark places. You see, after three days, guys, you've got to get this. That Jesus 
is our greater Jonah. Jesus is our deliverer. We need to stand to our feet and praise his holy name. Come on. Thank you, Jesus.